Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans express ourselves through time. Our theme this week is food and art, which is such an interesting topic. You may think that I love impressionism the way I talk about it, but once uh, you hear me talk about buttercream with cake designer and bespoke baker Beth and Moore, you might feel slightly differently but before we get there I wanted to have a look at at the themes of art in food more widely. So this episode is well and truly combining my loves, art and food. Anybody that knows me knows I love food and I love cooking because for me it feels so creative. When you buy ingredients, you're kind of defining the sort of parameters of what you want to make and then it's kind of up to you what you're going to create from then. So I sort of see it as a bit of a weird challenge sometimes when I haven't bought food in, which often happens, and then I have to kind of see what I can make and then kind of the creative juices start flowing and I probably end up making something awful, but you know, to me it tastes all right but it's not just me that is all about art and food artists have loved the motif of food throughout history especially in still lifes so i thought this was a good place to start So what are the origins of the still life and why are people painting food? Well, the term still life derives from the Dutch word still even. I hope I'm saying that right. Sorry, anyone that's listening. Um, It makes sense because still lives were a massive thing in Holland during the 16th century. And it was there that still lives gained prominence in the art world. Uh, A still life is basically a painting that is sort of arranged with inanimate objects. And they're usually kind of on a table. Uh, More often than not, they're sort of food, maybe wine and flowers and other organic objects. And these are kind of the main features of it. Um, But although made very famous in Holland, it kind of, these date way, 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 way back, these kind of still life images to the ancient Egyptians, where most things date back to because the ancient Egyptians are so cool. Um, But they were painting in their funerary paintings, uh, food way, 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 way back. And these kind of included things like meat, fish and crops that have been found in these Egyptian tombs, sort of painted on the walls. And the most kind of viable explanation for why this was, was because the ancient Egyptians believed that anything that they would need in the afterlife would have to be present with them on their journey through death when they died, which kind of makes things a little bit complicated uh, for them. And it also means their tombs were kind of heaving with stuff. But as a result, they were kind of buried with everyday things that they would need, including uh, servants, their valuables, boats, and in cases uh, such as this, images of sustenance that they thought would keep them going in the next world. But also Greeks and Romans used to depict food as well. Um, and there's kind of a still life back dates from the first century in Pompeii. And it's sort of like a, it's a bowl of fruit and a vase, um, essentially quite simple. Uh, but it was thought that these images were produced as kind of signs of hospitality and celebration, as well as a sort of symbol of uh, the different seasons and also life itself. Because if you think about the cycle of kind of food and fruit, they kind of have a start where they grow and we create them. They, you know, or they grow themselves and then they kind of have have a lifespan much as we do so it's kind of an interesting parallel there but in the 16th century uh it kind of rolled around and the dutchess the dutch sorry decided to, to ramp things up in the still life world um and they introduced these uh they're kind of called 
Vanitas paintings. Hope I'm again saying that right. But this was during the golden age of painting. And it was their take on the idea of a memento mori, which literally translates as remember that you will die. It's a bit morbid. But funnily enough, it's actually uh, more about kind of enjoying life and recognising its fragility and how short it is. And I kind of like to think of it as the modern YOLO. Like you only live once. (laughs) You've got to make the most of it. Remember that you're not around here for very long. So the Dutch used to paint food and wine in their memento mori images to make a kind of comment on, as I sort of said, the, the shortness of life, but also the vanity of earthly pleasures too. And the idea of kind of this rotting fruit is a really common metaphor because of the transient nature of, uh, nature of life and inevitable death as well. Um, and also what I found really interesting when I was looking at this is the kind of development of this monumental still life genre in which kind of really, really, really large paintings the kind of ones you see in the National Gallery that take up the whole wall, uh, the kind of spreads of food and people and animals um, in markets. And this was around the kind of same time, around the sort of 1500s. And if you want to have a look at one, there's uh, the butcher shop, which is by uh, Jochim Bukela. Again, I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing these very well, but I'm doing the best I can. Uh, but they are often of religious a kind of morality messages, but they're using like food and sustenance as a way to sort of suggest these more kind of religious or, as I said, morality messages. As well. So that was really interesting, too. Um, and then, of course, the 16th century was also a time where botanical encyclopedias were kind of documenting things that were found in the new world and in Asia. So of course this creates a big interest in kind of new foods um, and there's obviously a focus on this in art as well because what's happening in the real world often translates itself into art and vice versa. So there are lots and lots of paintings around the 16th century of exotic foods. For example citrus fruits, a major interest of the Medici family in Italy. Um, They kind of became really, really abundant during this time. And then, of course, they kind of wove themselves into the different art forms as well. One thing I found absolutely fascinating, and I kind of knew about this before, but it was good to kind of research it and actually give uh, some weight to it, was the kind of the use of fruit as a symbol for something else, particularly in Western art. Because if you've noticed a lot of the still life work and a lot of kind of the mythology work, there's so much fruit present and it sometimes seems very out of place you think why is that person holding a bunch of grapes why is there a random uh, apple on the table what's that about well I have answers for you um, as I said a noose about some of these but they're kind of they're sort of clues in paintings to more hidden messages without actually saying what they're talking about. Um, They're a bit cryptic. um, And because historically we have loved to repress everybody's sexuality, many of these fruits were symbols uh, kind of warning viewers against carnal lusts and things like that. So, for example, the apple. We've all heard about Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, where Eve eats the apple and therefore man is punished forever. So apples are a symbol of the kind of forbidden fruit um, and the kind of sin of man as well. Pomegranates have quite a rich history in art. Uh, They symbolise lots of things, including eternal life, divine prosperity, 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not quite sure where that comes into it. But also, uh, if you, I don't know whether you guys learnt Greek mythology as I did at school, but we learnt about the Persephone myth, uh, which was essentially about her fall from grace. She eats the pomegranate, she's tempted by it, and then has to spend the rest of her life uh, in the underworld with the god Hades. Her mum is devastated, and therefore um, that kind of has an influence on the seasons. And there's a, a big story kind of surrounding the idea of pomegranates. So they're also used as a symbol too. Figs, symbol for lust and loss of innocence, because Adam and Eve used a fig leaf to cover their own nakedness when Eve ruined everything for everybody. And then lemons are a representation of sourness, a kind of bitter heart, very appropriate, uh, and unresolved conflict as well. Uh, And pears are kind of, they're the more wholesome fruit. So if you see a pear in an image, it is normally uh, representational of marital faith um, and also St. Catherine, who was the mystical bride of Christ and has kind of been unconfirmed, um, as it probably can never be, but it was said that that's kind of the representation of her. Uh, there's grapes as well. These kind of signify lewdness and lustful thoughts. And when I was researching this, I found um, this painting by Caravaggio, which is called The Young Sick Bacchus. And I love Caravaggio's work. He features a lot of paintings um, that include fruits and things like that. And this is all because it's, as I said, it's a symbol for kind of man's sin, uh, the fall of man. And also um, in this case, the idea that uh, kind of Bacchus is the god of the harvest and winemaking and fertility but he's sort of gone down a slightly darker path and so he's painted here turning away from the viewer with a bunch of grapes very looking very very jaundiced as well so also a sign of kind of things gone a bit awry um i was really interested as well in the fact that today food is kind of used in a lot of photorealism and kind of hyperrealism and i was trying to think why is food kind of painted in a really really realistic way why this theme and i sort of realized it's probably because in order to kind of look at an artist and say god they've really got that right that's amazing and appreciate their talents uh, they have to paint something that we see in our everyday life so they've kind of i think it might be a theme of food because we see it so we can sort of appreciate when they've got it exactly right and there's an amazing painting called healthy sandwich uh, literally is what it says on the tin uh, from 2013 by I'm going to I'm going to spell the name because because of we've established I'm not great at pronouncing things but T J A L F and then Sparne is uh, the artist's last name so definitely check that out it's incredible and last but not least, the industry in Japan has built up $90 million um, by creating fake plastic food. And when I went to Japan, I found this absolutely impressive, but totally bizarre that every restaurant has a kind of representation of this fake food. And it is a really, really odd kind of uh, way of sort of like getting clients to come in because you just think, oh, so strange. But anyway, we've seen de- food depicted in art uh, as a literal lifeline for deceit, de- deceased sorry Egyptians um, the way of depicting the transients of life and also to represent consumer industry Good Good afternoon, you are listening to Resonance on 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now. It is time for my interview with cake designer and bespoke baker, Bethan Moore, who talks about what it is like to create art that you can actually eat. Here's Bethan 
So I am here with Bethan Moore, founder of Spooned. Bethan, do you want to describe a little bit about what you do? Oh, well, I make celebration cakes and bespoke baked items for oh, anyone, really. Was your passion always in baking and celebration cakes, or did you kind of just fall into it? <laughs> um, I always enjoyed baking. I've always been interested in design and visual arts, and I think mm -hmm. when I realised that you could combine those two things mm -hmm. and have something that looked amazing and tasted amazing, that's kind of when I started taking it a bit more seriously. Yeah, and that's interested of, me more. Yeah. Totally. It's like, art, it is kind of like art you can eat. Like, your work is so incredibly creative, and we'll talk more about that in a sec. But how did you get into baking professionally and starting your own business? Well, I used to be a creative producer. Okay. Which right. I love doing that. I was really happy with it. Yeah. Um, but then after a while, I kind of felt like I was working really hard for someone else, not mm, for me. For the man. Yeah, I was working <laughs> yeah. for the man. I mean, the nicest man there ever was, but yeah, still yeah. the man. Totally. Um, so I kind of wanted to see if I could change that and yeah. work for myself. It was incredibly brave to start your own business and, uh, you know, it must take so much work. What are kind of the main difficulties of, of running a business? That's quite a big question. <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah, it was brave. Also, I was probably very naive. <laughs> I had no idea how but hard how it would you, be. You're never going to know, though, are I know. you? <laughs> if, you don't, if you haven't done it before, you're not, you wouldn't know. Exactly. Um, I had my brother help me set up my website, mm -hmm. and I've got an accountant. But other than that, everything I do, I do it myself. Yeah. So it's mm. definitely a steep learning oh, curve God. in all the admin. Totally. And, totally. you know, trying to have a business brain and mm -hmm. all of that. What are the best bits of working for yourself? Oh, I love doing, just doing what I want to do. I know mm -hmm. I have customers to please. Yes, yeah. Um, which is a different thing. But yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that as well, because <laughs> that's so tricky too. I, I love making my own choices, really. Mm -hmm. I like to choose, I like choosing when I do things and mm -hmm. what I do, and mm -hmm. it's flexible and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit daunting there as well. Like, sometimes when the options are limited, like you can sometimes not know when to stop working or because yeah. no one's telling you like, oh, yeah, it's time I'm, to go home, Bethan. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do have a bit of that. When I've got like a big project, I definitely do get really stuck into it. Mm. But also if it's like, I work better on a busy day mm. when there's loads to do, I get really yeah. into it. But if it's a, maybe like a quieter day when I've just got like, bit of admin to do yeah. I'm the worst procrastinator oh ever so not having a boss in that way is quite bad yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it definitely oh it definitely has its benefits doesn't it but yeah. it definitely has its challenges too um okay so this is a really tricky question and I wasn't sure whether to ask you but I'm interested genuinely can you run me through an average day of like what you're doing oh. I know there's no there's no really there average day no when you run a business day, day no. when you run a business but I can be doing anything from I do of oh just Tell you all the things that I do, and then tell me all the things you do. I could be doing <laughs> one of these things or all of these things all in one day. Okay, so baking, decorating, yeah. mm -hmm. cleaning, which people often forget oh, about. I totally <laughs> would have forgotten about that. A lot of cleaning. Oh my goodness, you're so right, and yeah. especially after I've made a cake, and the whole kitchen <laughs> needs to clean. So, <laughs> and it has to be level five health and safety clean. So. Oh, of course it does. Um, oh my goodness, you're opening my eyes to all these things yeah. I did not realise. Like researching, ordering mm -hmm. my ingredients, equipment, mm -hmm. emailing people. Yes. 
designing, taking photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of it. I have never seen cakes like yours before. I just want to say that. Um, your imagination is so impressive. How and where do you get inspired for a new design? Well, I try my best not to look at other cakes. Oh, okay. Like I always say, look at other cakes. Interesting. Because people tell me to look at art when I'm like... No, I think that's the worst thing to do because then I think you get in your own head Mm, a little bit. I mean, that's definitely true. Yeah. So I obviously look at them for technique, for different new techniques and Mm. things like that. But for in terms of design inspiration, Mm. maybe because I've got an art background. I did art history at university. Mm. I'm quite good at like pulling references from mm-hmm. all sorts of different places yeah yeah so I tend to just as I go through maybe not intended for a specific design but when I see images I like mm. it can be anything you know like a texture architecture yes even like nail art or like mm-hmm. a jewelry if oh, I see so a pic- right. if I see an image and I just really love it mm. I'll save it yeah and then when I need cake inspiration I'll go back mm-hmm. through them all yeah, yeah, like a board of kind of ideas. Yeah, and to say, and what can I translate so into cake? Yeah, because you never know when you're going to get those moments of like, oh, that's a really good idea. Or because yeah. when I see like colours and stuff, like colours yeah. is what I kind of get inspired by. Mm. So you never know when you're going to see two colours together and be like, oh, that could make a really good. And yeah. How do you start a new project? Do you, you say, you know, you have an art background. Do you do yes. a little bit of sketching? Or I is do. it just straight with the, the baking and the grease? Yeah, well, it, it depends <laughs> what kind of brief it is. If the customer has quite a specific idea of what mm. they want, I don't really necessarily have to sketch anything out you know yeah. like if it's sure white with flowers which yeah. I do do a lot of that too yeah yeah then I wouldn't need to sketch that but okay, if it's yeah. a bit more like you're trying to figure it out yeah and, yeah and like they might want something a little bit more creative or even if I've just got free reign on the design mm. then yeah I definitely sketch mm. you envisage um, a design in your head you kind of sketch it out you've got all these influences do the designs often turn out how you imagine them or you think they're going to when you've actually made the the creation the product the cake now like Mm. at this point in my cake journey (laughs) (laughs) nice hashtag that (laughs) yes normally they do look like I want them to okay that's good but definitely when I first started Mm. there was the occasion where I couldn't translate what I had in my head Mm -hmm. on in either using the materials that you have for Mm. cake obviously everything has to be edible yes has its own set of challenges totally um yeah so at the start I might not nail it so much Mm -hmm. and sometimes when I look back at my early cakes I cringe a little bit like obviously (laughs) I mean we all do that about our old work (laughs) I think they were still good but now where I am now looking back at them I think oh baby (laughs) oh what you didn't know about them (laughs) so what's been your favorite creation and design to make obviously I love the designs where I get to bring a customer's dream to life totally but my favourites are always the ones that are just from my own head. Yeah, because it's what you—it's it's your creative yeah. like. I think I feel more connected to them, which is weird for cake. But hey, no, that they—it's like every creative thing. They're like your kind of babies. You're like, I made baby, these. Yeah. You, you literally did. So I think what's my favourite one? Oh, I did one for Halloween last year, which I loved. It oh, was um, my dad has like this pat, this like garden patch, right? And he grew these baby pumpkins. So I took one and it was so cute. So I I painted it. Obviously that wasn't edible. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a topper, that's fine. Yeah, for sure. And then I made, so I made it kind of like an abstract pumpkin patch. So I made all these little, so my cakes are always buttercream because it's delicious. Because what else would you use? I don't use fondant really, except for like decorative details. Okay, if you need something a bit more like stiffer or like. You need to make a shape mm -hmm. or something like that. 
so I made all these like tendrils as if it was a pumpkin patch and I had them all coming out of oh the gosh, I don't think I've seen that like almost like Cinderella kind of yeah, like you know yeah. the oh that's what I imagined that sounds so cool but it was like so bold that. it was purple orange like I do most mm. things in like pastel shades so yes. it was pastel purple pastel orange and black and I just yeah I loved it that's so cool like yeah. dramatic it's dramatic oh, I love but... that and those those colours, like those Halloween colours of like orange and black, yeah. you can never really use them unless it's Halloween, mm. I was fine, because everyone's just like, no, that's Halloween, Halloween colours. Colour. It's yeah. like red and it's like red and green, you have to be really careful when you use Christmas colours. Yeah. Is it difficult to part with them after you, you know, we talked about you get really connected to them. Is it kind of difficult to sort of say farewell when you give them to your clients or they go off somewhere? No, I I like seeing them fulfil their cake destiny. Quite <laughs> 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 so often people that. say like for me, like the mm. taste is just if not more as important mm, as the visuals of it it's so well obviously i agree with you because i am a bit food obsessed uh but you're right like you think there would be a compromise of being like oh you know you can't you can do one or the other kind of thing it's going to mm. taste great and it doesn't but but the fact that you've managed to uh ace both those things <laughs> is impressive i do my best i can kind of see that sometimes the big challenge with the creative business is often that you're sort of compromising between your vision of creativity and the need to be commercial do you kind of find that or I always find that okay yeah <laughs> that is probably something that I, so I think about that a lot yeah because yeah. where I'd love to be in my business is people really? come to you because they like your style mm-hmm. not because they need a cake that looks like this right yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah it just takes time I think yeah but hopefully I'll get there mm. I, I do get more inquiries now from people saying I loved this design of yours or Amazing. like some just do something that you think mm-hmm. would work and I love that so what's the kind of most popular thing people are like I want this Ooh. well for weddings yeah it's definitely like a semi-naked mm-hmm. which is where it's like you can still see the cake through. Oh, I've seen that. I wondered yeah. how you'd created that effect. I didn't know if it was Actual... like light dusting a powder or something. No, but it's, it's just this. The sponge you can... And I don't do... There's that. another one that's like fully naked, mm. which is where I love it. Fully <laughs> naked. That sounds so fun. <laughs> there's no icing on the outside. And I don't do that because I worry that the cake would dry out. So I... Sure, yeah, that's... that's... I always do like a skim. Mm. It's like plastering. You're like... I, that's so interesting yeah. I, and it's kind of rusticy but like because yeah. that thing's really in fashion now like with you know people getting married in like these beautiful barns with fairy um, lights yeah. and like you can just imagine that cake looks so so yeah amazing. and I understand why people go for it because it is like it's a it's a nod to the traditional in mm. the way that it's white mm. and it probably has flowers on it mm-hmm. right that's yeah. what people want yeah but it's not dated version isn't it of yeah. like of the kind yeah. of traditional white Cake. Cake. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So a lot of that. I imagine it's quite tempting to be like, did you really want a splash of a little summon summon? Oh no, I've just put some like fuchsia all over it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, that would be my biggest challenge, like because the, the colour is such a thing for me. Like yeah. I'd be like, oh, I, I just want to, I just want to. <laughs> well, you can tell your relationship with colour is amazing. Like from your designs, um, mm. you know that I've seen, y- you've you've got it down. Like it each kind of cake has its own character and the colours work so well together and it's just beautiful and even the golds when you've kind of woven those in it just it all works amazingly well so I'm not surprised you've got an art background your Instagram you know I've talked a little bit about this at Spooned it looks incredible not only do your photos make me want to eat your work but it makes me feel like I'm kind of part of this mini world that you created like I've seen like there's mermaidy cakes and then there's the goldy ones and then there's well there's a Halloween one which I haven't seen yet um how does social media impact what you do a lot like I think that I get a lot of customers from 
Instagram. Mm -hmm. So it's such a visual space. Totally. Cakes like mine work really well on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So do do people contact you and say, oh, like, as you said, I've I've seen this design. Yeah. I really like this. This is kind of a thing. And how often do you kind of find yourself needing to use or wanting to use Instagram like is it kind of a day-to-day thing where you're always updating always posting um I probably don't do as much as I should Mm. but then I find it quite tricky I'm quite a private person Mm. and I know a lot of people you know use their stories to film themselves talking a lot of people should be more private (laughs) (laughs) because I don't I don't want to be boring people with like irrelevant content I I know they like to see a little bit of you they they want to see a bit but yeah. You know, they don't need to see me doing things that are completely not related to cake. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's really hard to know how much to expose yourself as, like, because you, bus- you've got your business account, and yeah. then, like, then there's your personal stuff, and you're like, well, people do want to know what who's behind the kind of design, yeah. but then you're also like, well, I don't, yeah, yeah as you said. I like the occasional <laughs> picture of myself on things. And a lot of people are quite happy to put things up that are quite off the cuff and quite rough and ready, which mm. works for them. But I'm, I'm quite, like... <laughs> I want it all to look nice Mm -hmm. so then I while I'm working I don't often post things Mm because it's a working kitchen it's totally messy yeah I mean not gross messy but no no but no but people (laughs) are just going on like I'm also busy I'm concentrating Mm -hmm. doing that so I find it difficult to do both at the same time yeah 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 yeah. and also as well if you're you know your kitchen is of incredibly high um cleanliness standard so if you're you know grabbing your phone and then taking a picture and yeah. you wash your hands again and then yeah. do all that stuff and your phone's got to, and yeah, it's just a lot have, going like, on, the most and, on oh ever, so. <laughs> I can completely believe that like I used my phone I did it today like touching the tube touching my phone I was yes. like oh, I'm gonna have to wash this in my head I mean you know talking of Instagram do you find that there's kind of a fashion to cakes and if you do find that do you feel the kind of pressure to follow the fashion trends of cakes or are you just a free ball in it <laughs> Definitely, I, there are definite trends that happen in cake mm-hmm. on Instagram. At this this last couple of weeks, I've been noticing, well, I can't remember what they're called. They're called, at the moment, it's like um, where there's been a big channel carved out of the buttercream and then they fill it with something. Oh. Geode cakes, mm. where there's, they carve a piece out of the side of the cake and then you fill yeah. it with... Um, like coloured sugar yes, crystals. Yes, which looks like crystals. To look like one of those big rock crystals. Right. That is so cool. And I I, I didn't know it was sugar, but that is, I'm so glad you answered that for me because I've seen those before. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, that can't, is that a real crystal? Is that edible? I don't, what? I mean, technically edible, but you probably mm, wouldn't want to yeah. like bite down on a sugar crystal. No, no. And I've noticed um, there's a lot like marble as well. Marble, there's marble yeah. a big one. Yeah, that's quite hard mm. to achieve with buttercream though. That's more mm. of like a fondant. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But people love that. That's mm. quite popular for weddings as well. Yeah. Because again, it's like a it's slight fine. twist, but still quite elegant. Mm-hmm. Um, if I do use a technique I've seen or a trend, yeah. then I'll try and twist it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or just make it suit, not everything suits my aesthetic, yes, I guess. totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You I've do done think. one unicorn cake. Oh, only the one. I'm surprised. Unicorns, you can't walk a street without seeing a unicorn. Something unicorn-y, I know. I tried to make it elegant. What kind of designs and projects are you working on at the moment? And do you do one project at a time? Or is is your kitchen just full of, like, half-finished cakes? (laughs) Oh, well, depends what... Yeah, depends how busy I am. Sure. Sometimes you have to kind of start the decorations a little bit early because Mm. they might need time to dry or things like that. So I'll have like polystyrene covered in like bits and pieces that are drying and painting and all of that sort of thing. 
Um, but yeah, I have a couple of things on the go at once normally. Mm-hmm. So I use Italian meringue buttercream, oh. which is so much more delicious. Yeah, no, I'm salivating. <laughs> <laughs> but it is trickier to work with. It's less yeah. stable. Mm. And yeah. But if it's you Italian. Touch it, you ruin it. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I can imagine. Anything Italian though tastes like any any so product, fun. edible product from Italy is yeah. guaranteed to be a winner. Okay, this is a really cheesy question, but I really want to know. Uh, besides your own cakes, obviously, what's your favourite sweet indulgence or dessert? Oh, and do you have a favourite bakery, or is it just like? Oh, favourite bakery. Oh, I don't know. I need to do more market research. Okay? <laughs> I love my mum's. That's probably right. Yeah, everyone sure. probably would say that. Her love... cakes or desserts or no dessert. Her pecan pie. Oh, she God, makes pecan the best pie. pecan pie. Mm. Oh, so good. Although I think my mum might give you on for your mum's money on the pecan pie thing. Oh, well, I'll try it. <laughs> well, I have to say that is one of the ones my mum absolutely nails. I was gonna that was gonna be my one actually of, of how good they are. Does your mum do like orange peel and stuff and, no, and things? Just real, really like oh, simple. Really good. Yeah, good simple. Yeah, and mum's baking is always the best yeah. baking as well. I love but cheese. Like... I love to have a little break with some cheese. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I also love cheese because we have tummy ache. I'm a bit oh, in denial no. that I shouldn't eat it, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. cheese is a good answer. A good answer. Cheesecake, even combining, uh, yeah, but a baked, mm. not a fridge one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know there was a difference. It but is. that's the texture. The difference between expert and me. <laughs> <laughs> the texture. The texture of a baked one is like lovely and like crumbly and like. Mm. As with most creatives, I imagine that the dream is to kind of be able to freely make the creations that you envision day to day. Is that what the ultimate? goal is for you and for spooned where does it kind of where's it where are you hoping it's going yeah that would be amazing yeah that would obviously be what I'd love yeah Um, I think yeah you have to spend a long time building up your reputation to Mm -hmm. be able to do that Mm -hmm. and I try not to like think too much about that put pressure on myself Mm -hmm. Because who knows where it's going to, what's going to happen right. and where it's going to And it go. can make you really, I don't know about you, but it makes me anxious thinking too far ahead and trying yeah. to like plan what everything's yeah. going to be like. Okay, Bethan, where can people reach you to find out more about you and your work and what you're up to? Well, probably Instagram is the mm. best bet. Yes, go on her Instagram. It will blow your mind. It's at spooned.london. Thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been a pleasure. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for coming. Thank you. That is all we have got time for this afternoon. Thank you so much for listening to Art Then and Now with me, Anna Gammons. For any of the images discussed in this week's show or to contact the show, please do visit the Facebook site at the Art Then and Now show. I hope that whatever you're doing this evening that you are enjoying this glorious sunshine. Please, please stick around. Um, Thank you so much, Sarah, for your audio engineering skills and see you next week at 3.30 on Resonance 104.4 FM.